Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, everybody. Um, it's been a while. Welcome to another episode of Tuesday Night Jaw, recorded in my echoey kitchen in North Wales. I am Jim. I am your host. We are on the Distraction Pieces Network. It's dead good. Check out all the other podcasts on said network, for I love all of them dearly. Um, some plugs before we talk to my wonderful guest, because he's doing a list today. Like Normally I do the list, but today I've got the guest to do the list because he's much more of an expert. Um, some plugs. I've got a book coming out. Um, if you go on my Twitter, at Jim Smallman, um, there's a link at the top. My pinned tweet is a link so you can buy that book on Amazon. If you don't want to buy it from Amazon, then you can also buy it from Waterstones and various other book-selling websites. Just search for my name and uh, the book. Uh, the book, I'm Sorry I Love You, A History of Professional Wrestling, will come up. I'm going to do this a lot over the, the course of the, the next few weeks before it's released on August the 23rd. But basically... If I sell another couple of hundred books, I'll get in the Sunday Times top 10 bestsellers. And the fact that I could potentially make a positive book about professional wrestling be a best-selling book, and then even more hilariously, my Twitter bio could read best-selling author, would be both wonderful for the, 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 the wonderful wrestling industry, but also two fingers up to all my English teachers who told me I was dreadful at school. Um, so do check that out at Jim Smallman pin tweet at the top or my website jimsmallman.com there's a link book and you can go on there if you're in America you can't buy it through Amazon at the minute um, because there's things called publishing rights so there's going to be an American version of the book at some point and they're negotiating those rights at the minute which means Amazon won't sell the British version of it which means some people have their orders cancelled this week Again, look through my Twitter timeline. I have told you lovely American people where you can actually buy my book from. Uh, there's a website called The Book Depository that will ship it to you for free from the United Kingdom should you want to buy it. Um, so it's out on August 23rd. Please buy it. Thanks very much. Also, progresswrestling.com. We do wrestling shows. There's none on sale at the minute apart from Wembley that haven't sold out. Oh, there's Wembley in America. So Wembley, September the 30th. Come to that. It'll be great. Um, my guest will be at that. Um, uh, and come to America six shows in America ECW Arena in Philadelphia then Boston then New York then Seattle with our friends from Defy then uh, Chicago then Detroit then everyone die of exhaustion and my guest will also be on all six of those shows as well so good times he's going to be sick of me sick to death of me but he has just said we need to go and watch an MLS game which makes me like him a little bit more my guest today to discuss obscure masked wrestlers 
is an obscure mass wrestler. He's not. He's a very well-known mass wrestler. It's, it's Kid Lycos. Some, somewhat. Depends. Um, mate, I've seen the reaction for you. I saw the reaction for you in Sheffield when you returned. And in Sheffield? In Sheffield. Uh, when you brain-busted the living daylights out of uh, Flash Morgan Webster. And I saw the reaction on Sunday in Camden when everyone was chanting welcome back and stuff like that. Bearing in mind... They've seen you in that time. Yeah. Because you've accompanied Chris to the ring. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you're a popular boy. Um, we should probably talk about the injury. Mm-hmm. So, this is the thing that I'm now going to use you as a shining example. I use you, I use Flash Morgan Webster as well <clears throat> as a great example of yeah. actually rehabbing an injury properly. <laughs> Fingers crossed there. Because <laughs> obviously when you got, when you got hurt... Um, against Gibson and Drake yes like that sucks and oh, yeah. was massively unexpected and made me very sad because mm. you know I don't like anyone getting hurt on our shows least of all someone who's a mate I don't like that yeah and um, so for the listeners who went away what did you do what was your injury so uh, in August 2017 I wrestled in Ireland uh, for OTT and I came down like we, me and Chris do the Cobra Breaker sent on the sick mm-hmm. effing tag move as, our fi- as one of our finishes. And I came down funny on that and my shoulder popped out. Covered the guy, he kicked out and it popped back in and that was it. Next thing I did was like the Spanish fly and stuff. So I was like, ah, <laughs> oh, screaming in pain. And, like I, at the end I like dive and I hit Travis. And I'm just screaming at Travis that I'm hurt. Whatever. EMTs check me over say, it's okay, it's back in, uh, just rest it up. I then carried on my schedule, taking like a week off, say, because there was a pro show where I was wrestling Tyler. Yes, maybe there was. a week and a half, two weeks later. Yes, I remember. And I wrestled Ben because I remember messaging you and asking, as I do with yeah. a lot of people, going, "Are you all right?" And yeah, you're like, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, they 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 said I was okay, uh, so I just kept on keeping on, and then um, I was wrestling throughout the next maybe month and a half, and then whilst. Trying to overcompensate for my shoulder, I broke my wrist, which was sad, but whatever. That's mm. healed up. I then came back and I wrestled Walter and Tim at Progress. Fine, no problems. Wrist, if anything, was more so an injury. I did a show for Attack on a Wednesday, uh, and it just popped out yeah. again as I hit the ropes. <laughs> didn't want to tell anyone because obviously that was a. Uh, <laughs> like I didn't want to come back from my wrist break and go oh by the way my shoulder's still messed up so I didn't tell anyone <laughs> I just carried on it popped back into place anyway uh, carried on in my life uh, managed to make it to Ali Pally all that stuff great and, and a fantastic match as well that if mm, people haven't seen go to demand-progress.com and watch that because it's wonderful underrated ladder match I would say <laughs> it's a great ladder match mm-hmm. I can conclusively say it's the best ladder match in progress history but equally we did have a match with the worst ladders in the world in, so. I, I, <laughs> I have seen <laughs> but, uh, and then uh, keeping that secret whatever keep wrestling not long after wrestling Gibbo and Drake and everyone thinks it's when they threw me into the chairs mm. I was fine no problems but my shoulder was just weak because I had a tear in it that was progressively getting worse yeah and I did a flip dive off of a higher angled uh, raised area, which my shoulder pops out. It's the, where the wheelchairs go yeah. in, the, in the ballroom, yeah. And it just pops out and doesn't go back in. I'm try, I try and put, like, even if you watch on the on demand, I'm trying to put it back in, doesn't work. I go over, call the EMTs over, it doesn't work. So I have to go to the hospital and get it put back into place. I get an MRI maybe a month later. Mm. And 
they find an 11 millimeter tear, which is just enough for it to be super unstable, which is yeah. crazy to think how small that is. But it's like, yeah, it's just over a centimeter. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it. that's enough for it to just be yeah. completely unstable to the point where, like, when they put me under for my surgery, which was the 20th of December 2017, if I put my arm above my head and they push my shoulder, it comes out. Whoa. That's how unstable it is with just that little tear which is crazy that it didn't happen in wrestling because that position is quite regular yeah I mean my wife's got hypermobility syndrome Mm -hmm. so her joints pop out a lot and I know that from watching football for years I know that it's one of the it sounds daft because people always think like knee injuries are the worst that Mm -hmm. footballers could get dislocated shoulders and and stuff are the worst because you have to have surgery to hold it in because once it once it's out once it happens again and again yeah. and again. Like, Flash tried to tell me, like, uh, once it's out, it's torn. Yeah. And I was like, they said it was fine, whatever. Mm. But then, obviously, it is true. And, like, I see a lot of tr- people with shoulder injuries now. People ask me about shoulder injuries. And it sounds like it's torn. You Like, it's heartbreaking mm. to, like, tell someone else, like, oh, no, that sounds like my thing when yeah. I was working through it. And that's not a good idea. No. No. So, yeah. And, but you, so, I, because obviously... <laughs> We have a. It's weird for me and you because I live near you. Yes. Um, very. So we've car shared a bit from back and forth from shows and stuff, yeah, yeah. which is which I enjoy because I often drive on my own, so it's nice to have company. Isn't it? Exactly. Like nearly, either, nearly always either you or Matt Richards. Mm-hmm. And um, so you live you live a few miles that way. Drew Parker lives a few miles that way. Yeah. And um, and I bumped into um, a lad who was involved in your training in the ASDA down here. So yeah, uh, yeah. which is which is a bizarre thing to happen. Um, so we have that, but also you attend the university I went to. Yes, <laughs> which is which is also like this is weird. Um, so I'd, I'd try and while you're out, I'd try and sort of shoot your message every now and again. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. go everything all right, everything, you know, just because we don't want to. And this is important, and this is not me trying to cover my own back or anything like that. But you'll you'll testify like us that I'd never ask anyone to work when they were hurt and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, and. and but what I like about both you and Flash's uh, period of, of convalescence has been, like, initially, I think we thought you were coming back a little bit earlier and then we found yeah. out it was pushed back a bit and we were like, in our heads, yeah, we have to change some bookings. But mm-hmm. at the same time, we go, okay, I want him to be better. And yeah. that's what we wanted, is we wanted you to be absolutely 100%. And I don't think people realise the amount of rehab that you have to put into doing something yeah. like this. It's not just... they stitch you back up and you're fine is it you have no. to do a, you have to put a lot in it's hard man like credit to Gav uh, credit to Flash I should say uh, for uh, helping me out because like he has the experience in it so he, certain things where I'd be like if I'd ever worry about something mm. he's been through it so so like one thing he made sure to tell me when I was in the sling and I couldn't move my shoulder at the time he's like when, when you come back and you're allowed to do like weight training or anything physical with your resistance bands to rehab the shoulder you're going to feel pops or like mm. crunches. It's normal. It's just air escaping because it hasn't been like the uh, tendons stretching for the yeah. first time in months. Like even now when I get checked over by my physio, uh, one of the issues I have when they test my range of motion is pain in the tricep yeah. and like elbow area. And it's because the tricep shortens like for some reason very drastically during that period of time because it just you have two months of just having your arm at a right angle yeah. against your body. So it shortens drastically. So even now, like, even though the strength's coming back, you don't have that length 
for all the uh, the muscles or mm. the tendons and all those things. And I've had, I've had scares throughout it. Like I had a point where I thought I popped it out again, but it was just I'd done too much bicep work because I was like trying to rush the gym mm. unnecessarily. And the tendon that links between your bicep and your shoulder can tense up and then ping. Yeah. And it feels feels like a dislocation, but it's nothing to worry about. It's just you've overworked it. This is the thing. I think the, the fear when someone's had a bad injury. Mm. So I was at download when uh, Nixon Newell um, hurt her knee again. Mm-hmm. And she only tweaked it a little bit and I think she's going to be fine. Like she, yeah, she, came to pro- she was meant to wrestle progress the next day. Came to progress with Dakota Kai anyway and was walking on it okay. She was limping a little bit, but it wasn't. But the you could see, as soon as it happened, you could see that, not just from her, but everyone around her, all the other wrestlers around her were like, oh mm-hmm. no. And, and it, I'm not surprised. Like I've never had a really severe injury where I've had to worry about it happening again. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's the thing that there's plenty of people who would have been in your situation and not had the surgery and just tried to just carry on yeah, and just it, get it worse and worse work. and worse and worse. And nah. And now you're back. Yes. And now you get to do cool stuff again. Like you did at the weekend, which was good. I tried. You did. You did do cool stuff. Um, I wasn't used to the ropes anymore. They're higher than I remember. <laughs> well, because we got a new ring, mate. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, because you came back through the curtain and went, "Oh, it's a higher ring, isn't it?" Yeah. Yeah. That's why I broke my toe during Super Strong Style Weekend because <laughs> just that extra few inches of getting out of the ring and just the way I slide out of the ring anyway, I put my foot down, but just 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 spike the top of my yeah, toe yeah, and broke yeah. my toe and. It, 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 there are people who people haven't wrestled like Will, uh, Will Ospreay said the same thing because he's not wrestled in that ring yet yeah. it's like it's a great ring but it's, just, it's tall it's a big ring in it I'm like yes yes it is and um, every time I was glad I was wearing shorts the other day because every time I try and get into that ring just hopping up onto the apron in uh, skinny jeans is the worst idea in the world oh, yeah. I think just ripping real bad yeah I mean my, my knees are bad anyway but yeah, I don't need that extra hassle so before we get into the, the, the list this is something that me and my wife were talking to you about before. Now, mm-hmm. um, Chuck Horror, I know what kid like us really looks like. Yes. Uh, because he sat opposite me not wearing a mask. Now, I've always had a fascination with masked wrestlers. And I think it's because, like, when I was a kid, and bear in mind, I'm, I'm 40. So when I was a kid, like, I'd buy, like, wrestling magazines and they'd have black and white pictures of wrestling from the 70s in and there'd be guys yes. like The Destroyer and people like that in. And, and, and it always feels... And, and uh, Mill Mascaris and, and El Santo and people like that. And it always felt that that masked wrestlers are always a, a sort of ubiquitous part of, of wrestling. And yeah. then the older I got, like, I remember being... Obviously, passed away recently, but I remember being fascinated by Vader in his initial proper full yeah. black mask. Um attire and I've always been fascinated by masked wrestlers there's always that weird thing of um, like certainly when Mexican guys have worked for us mm-hmm. there's that weird thing of I just expect them to come in in their mask and they don't and yeah is that um, so was it always with you when you and, and again I, I always say when you were younger but you're young now mm-hmm. um, the um did you always think when I wrestle I want to wear a mask or was it oh no god no because you have because you have and don't go and look on purpose but you have you have wrestled without the mask yes of course so so, which most people will be aware of and I'm certainly aware of Mm. but was that what was the the, first of all what was the reasoning I suppose to, Mm. to become like us and also what did you have that fascination with mass wrestlers? Oh, I, I love mass wrestling, like especially Lucha Libre. Mm. 
I was a huge fan because obviously when I grew up, Mysterio was top dog, so mm. it was great. Like he was more of my favorite. He used to have like the life size cardboard cutout <laughs> thing, and I'd like I'm taller than him now, so it's all right. <laughs> but uh, obviously, then I found like Mexican wrestling. I used to get uh, tape, not tapes, DVDs from mm. IVP videos and stuff like that. Of just like Lucha Libre shows, and yeah. I'd make these dumb videos of like best dives and stuff <laughs> like there's still one on my facebook somewhere which is hilarious and uh i was just obsessed with that style of wrestling because i was a small guy and for a not very coordinated person i could flip very coordinated <laughs> so but also i think you, you're right about this the size thing because hmm. i mean you're not compared to brooks you're you're especially you know. um, how tall are you i'm 5'10 though matt fitchett will argue that down um, I, won't, I won't have I reckon because yeah, I'm 5'10 so yeah I, 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 I had to get measured when I went to uni like so I know my height <laughs> but brother brother was like no nah, you're not 5'10 <laughs> but like I mean you, you are in a tag team sort of 6 foot 7 yeah so, which, which you know yeah, it has um, its effect but but yeah people do people do often see the, the size size side of things don't mm. they because I know that like when Ray Horace wrestled for us wrestled Brooks for us in, in New Orleans yeah. he's maybe 5'8 but in the grand scheme of things now, it's not that important. But when you're a kid and you're watching wrestling, yeah. and you, you presume that you have to be six foot Yeah, six. exactly. Like, I thought I'd have to be tall. And like, I was maybe, what, five, seven at that point. And I was like, oh, I'm tall in this cut out of Mysterio. I'm not, like, jacked up, but, you know, that comes with time. So I'll just <laughs> do my stuff and hope for the best. And it's worked out well. Like, I'm at... Uh, a size where I can high fly pretty good. I wish I was bigger, both height and weight wise. But I'm coming back from a surgery, so I'm not too worried about the weight thing. It's going to come. And I know how much you hit the gym and stuff like that. But it's just yeah, you know, it, there's a there's a how old are you now? I'm 21. Yeah. So at 21, there's that weird thing of if you go back and look at videos of a lot of the guys that we love now when they were 20, 21 and the difference in their bodies from 20, 21 got, to, if, to to even like 25 to especially yeah. to 30. The difference is ridiculous. Look at Chris Brooks, age 21. The dude's a stallion now. <laughs> Wide boy. Big muscles on the kid. Yeah. 21 years old, Chris Brooks is a different story. And the, like it just shows it does happen. And he's put the graft in. So. I remember watching a video of Chris Travis against Martin Stone mm. um, when Trav must have been 19, 20 years old. And yeah. he is the thinnest human being I've ever seen. Yeah. And not the person with ridiculous abs that he was, you know, in the peak of his career. And and it's just that thing, it's just, it comes with time. Someone like Maverick Mayhew, who's, who's obviously a little bloke now, yeah. by the time he's 25, will put us all to shame. Exactly. That's the thing that people don't realise is, like, like, being massive doesn't come overnight. It yeah. requires a lot of work. Uh, or cheating, and most people don't cheat these days. Yeah, so. I try and be more natural. <laughs> but like, even if you look at Millshot, like you can see, he's put he's put in the graft in now. Yeah, as is. Uh, so, just think in three years, what he's going to look like is absolutely crazy. Um, when did you first don the mask? Uh, I wrestled a tag match at Attack, uh, where it was Mark Andrews and Pete Dunne as the Cobra Kai Dojo mm. versus. Myself and Nixon Newell as the te- as Team Wolf and his girlfriend because we didn't know the name of the character, <laughs> so she was just his girlfriend. <laughs> so Team Wolf and girlfriend was the uh, the graphic. Uh, that was the first time I did it, and then Attack reset itself that year when Mark uh, got signed to TNA, and 
uh, we did Mandarin's Ghost to America and I was just a kid like us from there. But for a year, it was just dead in the water uh, opening matches because it's one of the characters like, when you get given a mask, you either go two ways, especially when it's an animal mask, you either go full animal, which yeah. is what the Lycos character had been by the previous owner, yeah. or you make it a whole new thing. So like, there's... In Luke, like Luchador's Blue Panther's not a panther. He's just a no, dude in a mask. He's a dude with a blue mask. Who's, yeah, and like, who's rap. that was something Pete was trying to drill into me from the get-go because uh, not giving too much away, Pete donned the mask every so often at Attack, uh, especially on the when we did the Pontins tour. And uh, he was just Pete donning the mask to an extent. Yeah. But he knew how to work that sort of character without going too far into the, the mm. depths of it where it gets too obscure and weird yeah so what me and Chris obviously I we've probably talked about this before but like me and Chris used to watch Dragon Age show and we were like we want to do this and it fit perfectly with what I, I wanted to do with the mask character anyway because the guys I looked up to and mask characters did what I wanted to do mm. and we'll get onto one of them yeah. in this list but uh so then from 2016 I was I think it was 2016 I was bad guy like us and teaming with Brooks and everything went from there and now I'm what I am today but like it used to be terrible it got better every time <laughs> I, see I think what I love the most about CCK apart from your merch which I am wearing now um, uh, is I've got so much of your merch um, someone nicked my last hat so I had to get because mm. I came to see a Hope show that, yes you did uh, that Chris was on and, and I my, I mean I wanted to come to the show anyway because now I'm not doing stand-up I can watch more wrestling but also I wanted a new hat because I love my death hat and now I've got another one. Um, but is the fact that you two, if it, imagine it in any major wrestling promotion in the world would not put you two in a tag team together. And yeah. that's what I like the most about it is it's a uh, shorter guy in wolf mask and, uh, and big lad in a leather jacket. But for me, it's always been yeah, more interesting great. anyway. Like... It's good. That's, that's what's so good is, is, is I want, like I think wrestling's changed so much now that you can go oh look it's, and it's not a because tag teams of opposites have always been there but they're always really obvious like hokey opposites yeah. whereas this is just why Why are they even in a team together <laughs> it's, it seems so weird to me though because like, obviously there's tag teams that are the same that are really good the Usos are incredible mm. the Young Bucks are incredible all these different tag teams but for me when I was always watching wrestling I was most interested in the weird contrast so like mm. Jack Evans and Roderick Strong is a great tag team great tag team you've got a power guy and a flyer and they should like realistically they should never be friends if you talk about wrestling point blank mm. like he's a break dancing hip hop dude that's Roderick Strong like cardio machine <laughs> there's no reason they'd be hanging out you wouldn't see Jack and Roddy in the gym together realistically if you talk about wrestling yeah. but they were one of the best tag teams, in my opinion. There's yeah. loads of tag teams like that, which are incredible. And I think having that variety makes a tag team better. Yeah. Because okay. you have to mesh styles, you have to learn to work with different styles, which helps your tag team matches as a whole. Yeah, I'd agree. I think it, it it's like I I I was enjoying you guys' work because I've been watching it for a bit before you started working in mm. progress. And the first time we saw you see it hitting the sort of moves that you hit because no one else does them and yeah. that's the bit that's great and that to me is the, the charm of a tag team is does this tag team do mad shit I've not seen anywhere else yes 
excellence. That's and also, cool. because of my sensibilities of liking weird stuff and liking the weird mm. and wonderful stuff in Japan and from Mexico and stuff like that, is I just look at you guys and go, well, that's different, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I think it's... I mean, your popularity is mental. Like, it, certainly the last couple of years, is, it's super exciting. Yeah, past half uh, Last year, especially being a breakout year, like, there was a sour note on the end for me, but obviously all these different things happen like and you can see it pay off like we saw it booming we weren't sure how big it was but then even things that some people like it matters so much to them but like we didn't know anything about the PWI 500 realistically mm-hmm. like we know it exists but it's nothing we think about but then we were in that yeah. quite highly rated yeah and then even little things like there's uh, I think there's a Wrestle Talk magazine now and they did a, a ranking of British wrestlers and we were highly rated in that and that that's crazy to think yeah but it's, it's all well deserved as well because like obviously I know you guys from behind the scenes and, mm-hmm. and you, you, you're lovely to work with and like obviously I interviewed you both when you were in Brighton for Riptide and, yeah. and that was a great chat because like I, you, you've got a good relationship with each other where you look after each other mm-hmm. you know like and but you just have this commitment to doing good stuff like after every match that you guys have for us like, you will always ask how well it went. I'll be like, stand up there on the feet again, mate. Don't, don't worry. Like, Brooks is terrible for it all the time. I'll be like, was it okay? Yes, yes, what I do. Good for everyone. Uh, but, and that's, and that's a, a wonderful thing because there'd be plenty of people. I don't think so much in the UK because I think we've got a different, we've got a different, more humble mentality. But I think there'd be a lot of people who'd have the sort of year that you boys have had and would then be like, yeah, we've completely, yeah. completely rested now. Don't really need to put the work in anymore. Mm. I mean, whereas you two only want to work harder and only yeah. coming up with ideas and stuff like that. It's... I mean, even like now, you can. We've tried to change up our style so that I can wrestle uh, a more safer style. Mm. Brooks is putting in so much of a shift to keep me safe. He's the most underrated wrestler on the planet. Oh, he's he's... great. I, I, I will. I, when he was announced for Battle of Los Angeles, I was so it's happy. The most deserved name on that list. So. So happy. I mean, regular listeners to this podcast will know what a fan of PWG I am. Mm-hmm. Excalibur is a friend of the podcast. Excalibur is a friend of mine. He's he's lovely, and and like the lineup's great anyway. But like as soon as Brooks was announced, yeah. I think I saw it in the middle of the night as well. Yeah. And I couldn't sleep. And I was just like, oh, I'm so happy. Yeah. So happy for him because he's the best. Um, right, let's get to a list. So okay. I I DM'd you on Twitter and I said, Hey, Lycos. Why don't we, because we live near to each other and it's the summer in your home. Yes. <laughs> Why don't we come up with a list of uh, obscure masked wrestlers to introduce the listeners of Tuesday Night Jaw to? Um, and you've come up with that list. Yes. Which I'm very excited about. This may well be the first, uh, the first in many of uh, lists of wrestlers who know better than me coming up with better lists than I could ever come up with. I'll come up with a snappier name. <laughs> who have you got first, my friend? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Uh, the first one I'm going to give you one that I don't know much about myself, but I've seen popping up recently and... A year ago, this would have been Bandido. Mm. I, I saw gifts of him, and I was like, "This dude's the craziest high flyer in the world." Oh, now, so good. high flyer. If you look at him now, he's a tank and he's eh, a base for everyone. But there's this uh, there's a high flyer in Mexico popping up in CML called Ordaz, I think A U D A Z. Right. I'm going to Google some of these while we talk, uh, so I learn more. Rob Viper, who used to make YouTube videos that I would uh, download and then recut. Yeah. As uh, we discussed earlier, mm. maybe on the podcast, <laughs> maybe not. I can't remember. But uh, he's crazy. Like he's got the most incredible creative mind. Seemingly, mm. all these gifts that are popping up uh, of his wrestling and even just evades that he's doing. Yeah, and it, it's, it's nuts. It's just uh, his debut was the sixth of January this year. There you go. So, uh, this dude, honestly, search out, uh, I think he's called Lucha Gifts on Twitter, but it's Rob Viper, yeah. and he puts these crazy gifts of orders and just find as many as you can, because he's nuts, and then like go and find the matches, because you can find CMLL quite accessibly on YouTube nowadays. Mm-hmm. And Lucha Libre, a lot of people shit on it and say it's harder to watch because of the way it is, but you got to look at the art form of it, and he's a king at it. He's, a, he's what... Uh, Mystico was 10 years ago. Like. So, so this is so unique. This is something that when I was putting the book together, I, I people forget that Mystico won uh, Wrestling Observer's Wrestler of the Year. Yeah. And he won Box Office Draw of the Year because he had a run right before he got signed to Sin Cara. Yeah. He had a run of of unbelievable stuff in Mexico. La Mystica yeah. is one of my favourite ever finishing moves. Mm-hmm. Um, just everything he did was brilliant. And then he just couldn't Adapt. Yeah, so you get some people happened. who adapt, like Mysterio. Yeah. Obviously, managed to adapt, um, and it's it's such a shame when people like, who are that talented don't yeah. don't get it. When people talk about not not getting Lucha Libre, I always like my. I think my starting point for Lucha Libre, and I'm aware it's there's two Americans in this match, mm-hmm. is uh, Art Bar and Eddie Guerrero against the Hijo de Santo and oh, yeah. uh, Oscar Junior. Classic. Yeah. And and. I always point people in that direction because it's still got lucha rules. Yeah, hard drives are banned. You tag out by leaving the ring. It's two out of three falls, like most yeah. tag matches are there. Um, but it has all the heat in the world, and it was filmed in America. And yeah. it's not American commentary, which helps some people. Yeah. But I think my the only thing I sometimes struggle with with lucha is it feeling slower. Yes. Than in particular 
than it, in particular than Japanese wrestling. Yeah. Um, and uh, a great example of anyone from Mexico ends up in Dragon Gate, you can see a difference between yeah, the exactly. ones, and, and the good ones are the ones who can make it in both places, I think. It's, you know, it's, when, when Mil Mascaras was, was starting to go around the world, one of the reasons that he became the success he was wasn't because he was a great wrestler, and as most wrestlers as well, will tell you, he was a horrible human being, mm-hmm. um, but was because he was big. Yes, yeah. people always think Luchador, and they go, "Oh, obviously small." Well, no. Alberto Del Rio used to wear a mask, but and he's six foot six. There's, there's some, uh, there's a person on this list specifically who's got to be near three hundred pounds, but he's one of the best high flyers ever. Man, it's nuts. These guys. Um, I'm gonna look some of all. I've literally until you mentioned him, I've never heard of all that. And there's gonna be people. And again, tw- you can tweet uh, either myself at Jim Small. What's your Twitter again? Like uh, at Kid Like Us. Um, tweet either of us if you've got any other form of lucha suggestions, especially gifts, because I like consuming wrestling in mm. gift form. I'm not gonna lie. Um, what's is it? There's a company in. Is it in China now? That's the oh, that's uh, <laughs> that's where Shima is now. Because eh? uh, that stuff, like some people sent me gifts of it and it's the sort of thing that you know the people who think that Ricochet and, and Will Ospreay was, was killing the business yeah <laughs> people are going to watch, watch that, that they'll, go, they'll die like, uh, it's Cirque du Soleil honestly like, yeah. Shima's always had an eye for the best high flyers in the world he, that's why he's such a good talent scout like mm. he, he was going to Mexico uh, last year after he came to like Fight Club mm. and f- scouting guys and there's a guy called Moria he uh, apparently took a liking to or whatever but I watched some of the stuff where there was matches and this dude's really good but OWE seemingly is just a dream in that scenario because it's a essentially a bunch of like Shaolin monks and mm-hmm. Kung Fu masters and stuff, but they've learned to wrestle. It's a little bit like um, for anyone who's familiar with um, with Hustle, the Japanese promotion. Do you know what? It's like they watched some Attitude Era sports entertainment and went, "Yes, yeah, this is our version of it." Yeah, but OWE very much feels like a uh, a Japanese slash Chinese mix of someone going I have watched some high flying wrestling what's the how do we how yeah, do we yeah, take yeah. this even further see they have a YouTube channel now as well that puts up just little training things and one of the, one of the things I saw recently was a, one of their wrestlers does a front flip over 13 <laughs> other men in a line <laughs> and that was part like they were doing a running drill that ended with that leap and it's nuts <laughs> like like, I can do a front flip, but I couldn't do it over one person. <laughs> this brother's going over 13. <laughs> Think how long that is. <laughs> Odebree's nuts. It's like Guinness Book of Records. Mm. Isn't it that? It's like, how many people can we jump over? Don't even try. Yeah. Just going for it. When I was watching um, Will Ospreay and Jordan Devlin from our show on Sunday, yes. spoilers, it's ridiculously good. Um, yeah. They did... There was a couple of things they did in that match. I think Will did a, a space flying tiger drop at one point, which one I always watch that and go, how do you learn to do that yeah, without honestly, dying? I used to try <laughs> so hard to get that because big Jack Evans fan. But the dudes who can do it, it's crazy. Especially the ones that do it so fluid. So like Ricochet, uh, Desmond Xavier, Will. They have some of the cleanest ones I've seen. Like Jack always used to do it crazy, but mm. Jack's a very... Uh, his high flying is always very different to the smoothness of say like he always used to get compared to Seidel because mm. Seidel was smooth but Jack was more crazy and it's the same here like the guys who do it smooth they're the they're the what dons man they I, can't I used to love Jack Evans my, my first exposure to Jack Evans came from the wrestling channel mm-hmm. where they used to constantly video. play that music yeah. video and the first time I ever I, I just thought dude looks like Eminem 
Yeah. So all, that was my first thought, and then I was like, "Are oh, you doing that shit?" Um, anyway, I'm going to look. I'm going to look at all that because yeah, it, it's that really cool thing of. Like, I remember feeling that certainly as a, a wrestling promoter in in the UK, I was quite yeah. early to pick up someone like Flamita because I've been banging on about Flamita for about a year when we yeah. started putting Super Strong Style, and. I just kept showing videos to John and Glenn and eventually we got hold of him because he's not going to answer any emails. And eventually we got hold of him and then and then he did great stuff. And, yeah. and, and then PWG started using him and stuff like that. I was like, yay, brilliant. Um, but you would have been aware of him way before me because you were a big drag Dragon guy. And he was, so. he was popping off. Like Obviously his style's maybe reduced now because he's a bigger mm. person than he was two or three years ago. But he, again, like Ordas and like Ray Phoenix, he's one of the loose doors that was popping off as a crazy high flyer and then got some exposure. So, like, Dragon Gate saw him, brought him over, which then led to this. Mm. Same with Phoenix, like, uh, he had Lucha Underground, which exposed how crazy he was, and then all the American uh, companies brought him over. So, if an American company or Lucha Underground, obviously they have a relationship with AAA, I guess, so mm. they can't use CMLL guys, but even if Dragon Gate or anyone saw Ordaz, I think he would be a prime candidate to yeah. be selected for that sort of promotion because. He's doing things that I haven't seen before, and it's 2018. Like, what can't yeah. you see done? I love that because um, I'm currently looking on luchawiki.com, uh, and I, I like it because obviously there's there's a lot of sort of family family lineage, mm-hmm. isn't there? To, to quite a lot of lucha libre, so it's family history. Uh, his father, his brother, his uncle, all wrestlers. Then there's a question mark about whether or not he's related to another wrestler because they can't know. They can't know. And this is this is, I found this out when I was researching my book is when you do a, a mask versus mask match, for example, or a mask versus hair yeah. or whatever, if you have to wear a mask, you have to tell people your name and where yeah. you're from, which is really cool. Mm. Like, that adds so much. It's not just, here's my face. It's like, hello, I'm yeah. Steve. I'm a real person. I'm a real human being. This yeah. is my name, and this is where I'm from, and that's how people have pieced together people's families in Lucha yeah. Libre, some people losing their masks. I said, God forbid I lose mine. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man, I know where you live. Um... Uh, who's next uh, next on my list uh, we'll go to Japan there's a wrestler in Dragon Gate called Shachioko Boy um, now I'm fairly sure I know this name but equally I'm going to do that thing of knowing that I've probably mispronounced it uh, whenever I've uh, whenever I've tried to do this so um, let's uh, so how do I spell it uh, S-H A-C-H A-C-H-I-O K-O. I-O-K-O. There we boy. go. There he is. Now, this, 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 this boy, in quotation marks. Because <laughs> he was born in 1980, so yes, not a boy. he's not a boy. Uh, <laughs> he's been in Dragon Gate for a long time uh, under various names. Yeah. He was, at one point, Shachioka Machine. At one point, he was She's a Boy. And at one point, he was uh, doing both at the same time. Uh, I think Shachioka means killer whale. I could be wrong because I think his mask is a killer whale. Nice. I do love a I do love a aquatic theme. Yeah. Wrestler in Super Delphin. Um, so Super Delphin and also uh, Naoki Tanazaki used to be. Uh, uh, yeah, Mister QQ Dolphin Toyonaka Dolphin. <laughs> because love that that that's prime example of Dragon Gate. If you don't know Dragon Gate, there was a, a Tanazaki got hurt. So the faction he was in that, that was a heel faction brought in another wrestler to be Naoki Tanazaki. Tanazaki then returned as a babyface, and they feuded until they had a 40-minute match to decide who was the real Naoki Tanazaki. Now, the real Tanazaki lost and was renamed 
Mr. QQ Toyonaka Dolphin because QQ sounds like a dolphin crying and he was crying when he loses the match. <laughs> they feud it, they uh, keep wrestling, eventually he wins back his name but decides no because he was in the Jimmy's which is a popular babyface faction. He was going to be Mr. QQ Naoki Tanazaki Toyonaka Dolphin and keep the name to spite the people. Everyone should watch Dragon Gate. Dragon Gate's the best. It's the best. Um, uh, anyway, continue with uh, uh, Shachoko Boy. So Shachoko Boy, uh, he was just an opening match wrestler for a long time, but uh, always did some unique things, I thought. Uh, he's, even in, like, they have a thing called Dragon Gate... It's not next. It's Dragon Gate Studio. Mm. And uh, he had a, a competition, again, to bring up Tanzaki's name, with him over a course of maybe four or five episodes for open the Husky Gate, which was because they both had very coarse, it says here, husky it voices. Characteristically hoarse voice is the result of crushed vocal cords. Yeah. The problem also suffered uh, by Tomoki Honda and yep. uh, Genichiro Tenryu. Um, how bizarre. Yeah. I know that. That's also what Brian Pillman had. Yes. Yes. So uh, he's, he's a very unique character, but like, and in terms of wrestling, there's very Japanese luchador style, like his finishes are moonsault like Muta. It's a mm. great moonsault, but Really quick. Yeah, just... It's not a big arc, just no, gone. But always to the middle of the ring, like, always really good. But he's always a very loved character on those shows. And even if you only see him in the opener for four minutes, mm. he makes an impact in some way. And, like, all Dragon Gate wrestlers are a flash pin, but he does just a Casadora roll-up, which is a wheelbarrow. And uh, always a crazy reaction. And he's not seen as much anymore, but... I've always thought like he was one of the, the roster members. You, even though he's only a lower card roster member, you couldn't do without him on the yeah. show. I always find that interesting that there are, especially in Japan, there are lower card wrestlers who are supremely respected. Yeah. It's the same in New Japan and Old Japan. No, it's always, always been the case. Mm. Like Yano's a great example of someone in, yeah. in, in New Japan, for example, who we were talking about this before we, we started recording. Some people just would not get what he's about yeah. at all. Japanese people do. Yeah, they, they get him and, and they, you know completely get him and understand why he's there. That's what I like about that wrestling because you, you need those roster members and you can't respect them less based on their position. Like Kurt Hawkins should be respected really highly for what he does. Yeah, because without them, you don't have stars. You can't yeah. make a star by having him be no. just and random. Is you need established talent that he beats. And also, people forget like. You get paid the same. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? This is, you know, this mm. just insider information. You yeah. get paid the same if you win or lose. Um, uh, his name, I'm certain his name came up when I was reading, um, uh, my friend Arnold Furious wrote a couple of books, three books actually, two books that were published and one book that hasn't been published but he sent me the, the manuscripts of, of him just watching a year's worth of Japanese wrestling. Mm. And that's where his name came up. Because yes. I know he likes Dragon Gate. He was, the, in fact, as well, I think he was the first person um, that I read, I think I read a review of a Flamita match and then went and sort it out and then was blown away. So, you know, it's, it's, it's him. Cheers, Arm. Yeah. All right, who's next? Uh, I'll go to the United States and we'll talk about Equinox. Who uh, was Shikara, correct? Yes. Uh, Played by two different people, but uh, both interesting I'm going to put Equinox Stories. Wrestler in Google because if I put Equinox in we just get a lot of somersaults yeah. this stuff. So as you see there you get, you get two names you get Jimmy Olsen and you get Vin Gerard. Now uh, Vin Gerard was the original Equinox between I say 2005 and 2007. Correct. Says it just there. Excellent. Uh, 
He wrestled a high flying style. Yeah. One of the one of the very first Chikara matches I saw, uh, maybe third or fourth one in, hmm. I saw a four way between him, Pac, Lince Dorado, and I wanna say Ricochet, but I might be wrong there. Uh, crazy match, and he like he does a tope into an arm drag. Like there's some nuts loose libre <laughs> in there, but uh, he was the original character, and he was one of Chikara's young babyface mass wrestlers. Mm. He was built up as because Chikara was feuding with a bunch of different wrestlers on their roster. Like Fist was a team in their roster, and Chris Hero was one of the main heels. And he feuded with Chris Hero, leading to a mask versus hair match. Which was built around the fact that no heel knew the counter to the Chikara special, which was Quack and Wish's invention. Yes. Uh, and uh, Hero counters the Chikara special and takes Equinox's mask. Nice. So Vindrad goes on this path and turns heel because he's lost his identity. Eventually, um, around 2009, maybe, Jimmy Olsen and Vindrad are feuding. And. I can't remember the circumstances, but Jimmy Olsen begins donning the same mask yeah. and becomes the second Equinox incarnation. Uh, he has a run where he wins the Young Lions Cup and he beats Vin Gerard. He uh, teams with Helios, which was Ricochet, and he teams with uh, Lindsay Dorado and Jigsaw. I remember some of those matches. I definitely had some of those on DVD. And they were incredible. Like Jimmy's a very underrated wrestler, I think. If you watch him wrestle, especially in the mask, because that mask is horrible. If you, I would wrestle in a mask, I know how horrible some masks are to work in. This mask has no eye holes and no mouth hole. It's completely covered. It's just, like the dude must have had crazy cardio and crazy vision. Because it's a bit like the so the Sin Cara mask. The original yeah. Sin Cara mask is very. Uh, it's very. It's, like, it's exactly like that, but with no eyes. You so, see, this is a question I want to ask: Is I worry about wrestlers' peripheral vision mm-hmm. in masks? Um, because obviously I'm sat in without a mask on, I've got full peripheral vision, it's not a problem. Mm. Obviously when you put your mask on, and like, there's been times like that you've done promos with your mask on, and I can see you, you have to pull the mask in a certain direction yeah, to yeah. be able to open your mouth properly and stuff like that. Does it, do you just get used to it? Yeah, I think you get used to it, like, there's still times where it'll affect you, like, it'll get twisted sometimes, and even a slight alteration will throw you off. Mm. There's a funny moment on a progress show, if you want to search it out, where Pete Dunne, and British drawing style of being myself and Chris Brooks down and my mask turns slightly mm. and then Pete rags me up and goes to bail me out of the ring but I'm, I can't see what's going on so I'm like oh I guess he's going to give me a pedigree because that was the thing he was doing at the time <laughs> but then when he ragdolls me out of the ring I'm not ready because I can't see yeah. so I just hit the ropes and take oh, a bump like oh, bless. and I was it's real funny to think about because I just started laughing because I was like <laughs> oh no that's going to look hilarious and like, we all laugh about it on the training stuff but I, I, it's just sometimes you lose your vision it, it, yes. one alteration can change like the guys like Liger and stuff and uh, what's his name Graham Metallic mm. the way they see I don't know how because if I had mesh on my eyes I think I'd die so I mean just looking at uh, the two incarnations of, of Equinox mm. um, I think what's surprising is both guys are retired now yes as well which is well, it seems a shame to me. Like, I mean, they're like, these decades, mm. a decade in wrestling and stuff like that. But these guys are still in the early thirties, and obviously. Yeah. But I think that's the thing with Shikara is there's some people who come through Shikara and will be massive stars. Yes. And there's some people who just do it for a bit and are great, and then just go see you later. Yeah. And, and like sometimes you don't even know. Like some of the mask guys in Shikara go off and do other things, and mm. you don't even realize until later on. Like, that's what's the, happened. 
Well, that's the thing as well. Is I'm I'm certain if I go back, I've still got some Chicago DVDs, and I bet. I didn't realise. I'm sure someone may have told me that Ricochet was Helios, mm. and I've definitely watched him wrestle. Yeah. Um, but and I, I, so I probably read that at some point, but I wouldn't have known that for a long time. Oh yeah. You know, and because they it is a proper lucha company, and they, yeah, they do yeah. protect it and and all that, and you can watch it and go, I'm fairly sure I know. I know one of these guys. Uh, there's a guy now who definitely used to be one of the ants. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, but it's it's kind of nice that it is hidden. And also, the, there's people who have a gimmick somewhere else where they can go and put a mask on and do something a bit different. Yeah. Which I know that like Jimmy Havoc's a great example of who used to wrestle as El Transexico for, um, for <laughs> Lucha Britannia. Yeah. Um, I know there's a lot of people who, who used to, I think Will used to wrestle with no mask. Robbo. Robbo did and everybody. And, and it's... I think that's cool. I think it's quite a sort of freeing thing to do. I yeah, it's nice to have that change. I think a lot of attack guys used to do that. There were certain wrestlers who did masks and themselves on attack shows, and it's a freedom to be. Twice, mate. It's a freedom to be different <laughs> and get that double pay. Get two, get two payments. <laughs> Who's next on the list? Uh, I'll talk about. Uh, well, we talked about Shachioka Boys. So I'll talk about Super Shiza, who I guess was his mentor when he was Shiza Boy. And that was always linked when they were team. Super Shiz is a, uh, I think he's one of the head trainers now in Dragon Gate. 48 years old. Yeah. Um, wonderful mask that looks like it has a beard built into it. Yes. Which uh, is quite beautiful. It's, uh, I can't quite think where the reference is from for Super Shiz, but uh, the mask is incredible. I'd search out as a whole, but he, he was in the same era as Shima. Don Fuji, Masaki Mochizuki, all those guys in that first class. Yeah, so debuted 1996. So yeah. yeah. So uh, he, he debuted as Saito, as we have on the Wikipedia here, hmm. and wrestled without the mask. Uh, I can't remember when he started being Super Shiza, but maybe before the Torimon Dragon Gate split, it started happening. Hmm. Uh, a very unique style. Like He's very technically sound, but can still do innovative high-flying things like he is the first person I saw do the code red but uh, if you know that move you know they flip forwards and, yes uh, he will rotate sideways wow. and almost side flip the guy and that that's his uh, one of his big finishes invented the Yoshi tonic as well apparently according to Wikipedia so mm. um, uh, which is I mean yeah I, I, so I have a thing I love reading wrestlers move sets yes. on Wikipedia the, the in wrestling bit at the bottom I also love it when anyone's got they've, they've got Many. several versions of the move there is uh, six versions of the Saito special uh, handstand crossface Saito special 2 uh, handstand figure 4 leg lock Saito special 3 handstand inverted Gansuke clutch Saito special 4 handstand mule kick Saito special 5 handstand sunset flip Saito special 6 um, handstand inverted crossface and you see what that I mean that doesn't there. even I don't even can't even figure out how to do a handstand inverted crossface very technical wrestler but also as you can see agile especially for his size he's got to be he's a bigger lad he's 5'10 five, five, so big yeah. compared especially to in Dragon Gate like mm. if you look at the average weight of Dragon Gate wrestlers it's about 150 to 160 so heavier than most yeah again just like more of an opening match wrestler but in the sense of uh Helping the younger talent, like he's always wrestling the young boys coming up. And this is the cool thing in that you know these are in the case of Subshisa. It's a name that I've I've seen, no real concept. You know, you yeah. occasionally read a name. Yeah, it's just one of and, those and now what this podcast is making me want to do is go and go. Right, I'm going to seek some stuff and out. And he's look. had American exposure as well. Like he did Chikara back in the day, and all these different things. So he's wrestled in places like 
the more the less uh, the less niche audience will know of, but they can't tell you a match they've seen of his. But you might have seen one without knowing. Yeah, it was in uh, King of Trios in 2011 mm. um, uh, in a team with uh, Kagatora and Akira Tozawa. There you go. Um, uh, Akira Tozawa, I love dearly. And I've told the story many times on this podcast. All he could say in English the first time I met him was, there are many blonde women here. Many blonde women. <laughs> I want to meet that man so bad. <laughs> he's, um, so he's, he's great. He's the best sent on since Dick Togo. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like, I mean, I don't think I don't think it's necessarily the nicest move in the world to take. Um, I think he just squashes you like your tube of toothpaste, mm-hmm. and you need to hope that you uh, you don't have full bowels. Yeah. Um, but ah, oh, what what a guy! He's the, one of the best. Like, if you if you want to seek out a non loose door from this experience, just watch any Tozawa Dragon Gate match. He's one of the hardest working wrestlers alive. It, he. When we first started Progress, he was on our wish list. Of the, I had a big three wish list that people I really, really wanted mm. to book just around the time they all got signed. So Tazawa was one of them because Cole Cabana introduced me to him. Um, Tazawa was one. And right at the time we were trying to contact him, he just got signed. Yeah. So <laughs> 05. Uh, Pac was another. First time we met him, two weeks later he was signed. Yeah. Uh, and Kevin uh, Steen slash Kevin Owens was the other. They were my big wish list, yeah. and all of them got signed. Um, so, you know, if you want to get signed, basically, uh, put, get on my wish list to be booked with progress, and you will end up. Just got to avoid that booking for the longest time. <laughs> you will end up. Oh, dear. Um, cool, I'm going to look up. So she's like, Who is next? Uh, we'll go back to Mexico. We'll look at Dynastia. So, am I spelling that so people know? D I N A S T I A. Dynastia, uh, maybe sure triple A afterwards. That'll be the best way to yeah. find me. Oh, here he is. Dynasty is a mini in triple A. Oh, so to, some people might not be aware of, of mini. So it's anyone under five foot four, isn't it? Yes. Um, and it's not. It's not strictly speaking anyone who is afflicted with dwarfism because sometimes it's just like Rey Mysterio was very close to being a mini. Wasn't yeah, he was he? a mini for his first maybe six matches in yeah. AAA, and then I mean he's only five five maybe, yeah. so he only just went over it. Um, but so my first exposure to minis was ironically Max Mini and the the, the minis that WWE used inexplicably in yeah. like nineteen ninety eight for a bit. And randomly out the just ran, and the, but the matches they were having were absolutely Great, yeah. amazing because these guys can do like Max Mini was he was Mascarita Dorado wasn't yep. he? yeah and and he was just ridiculously good yeah he's incredible Mascarita Sagrada not Dorado Dorado oh yeah Dorado Mascarita Eater because the Eater means small yes uh, uh, Sagrada and and I used to read in the Wrestling Observer like Meltzer was giving him four star matches for mini yes. matches I remember incredible no, surely they're just a novelty, and then you no. They took it so it's taken so seriously in Mexico, and it is it's it's not it's not a sideshow attraction, which is a what thing I think people worry about because if you're only exposed to minis, is seeing the the poor guy dressed Caminito, Caminito being yeah. drop kicked off the apron uh, by uh, Ultimo Guerrero, by Ultimo Guerrero, then you are that's not the right viewpoint yeah. they, they are treated as equally as everybody else in, in Mexico yeah. and, and it's as they should be and it's yeah it's, it's brilliant I've not, I've not watched a minis match in ages there's, there's some good ones like I used to have Triple Mania 2011 on DVD mm. uh, and there's a minis 
six-man ladder match on there, which yeah. is incredible. And there's also a six-man tag uh, which features Mini Abismo Negro, Mini Psychosis, and Mini Charlie Manson versus uh, Mascarita Sagrada, Mascarita Dorada, and I want to say someone called Suki, maybe? Yeah. And uh, when I was 11, 12, that was one of the craziest six-mans I'd ever seen in my life. Like, And Dynasty is one of the better minis nowadays. Uh, in Great Nick mm. uh, pretty heavy for a mini to be fair 132 pounds but only 4 foot 11 as mm. well so if you think about it like Mark Andrews is 155 pounds and he's what, five Flash foot. Morgan's 150 like yeah so he's, he's chunkier but at the same time signature move corkscrew moonsault yep of course he is he used to be the twisted bliss uh, <laughs> he was the first person I saw do that amazing and uh I, he's a really unique high flyer and he's done stuff everywhere now like he used to just be a triple A mini and that was it but he triple A obviously has branched out in different places but mm. also triple A wrestlers can do independence in some way because triple A shows are licensed out yeah. as opposed to doing house shows everywhere they license them out so he's worked in Japan uh, in Corican Hall and all these different places and just a, a very good mini to start with if you're looking at more recent footage because a lot of people get turned off as well by how bad the quality of footage used to be, especially in AAA mm. back in the day. Like it took them until 2012 to get HD. So it, you don't want to go back, back and watch potato footage. So watching Dynasty now when they're in crisp, high definition. I wonder if there's. Do you remember the old WWF at the time? Mm-hmm. Lucia program, Super Astros. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if there's much footage of that still knocking around. It's not on the network. It'd be great if it was because that's mm. that's you know when they used to have their relationship with AAA around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was it, it was AAA, wasn't it? On CML. Yeah, it was AAA. Yeah, because that was where the minis were mainly yeah. more focused. And um, and they yeah they started having their relationship around the time. I think the Raw Rumble that Shawn Michaels won in 95, 96, because it was in uh, San Antonio, obviously. Oh, yeah, that makes sense, Because that was that heavy metal and, and people like that on the show. Um, but, um, but yeah, like, I, I'm just, I'm on the AAA website now, so there's... Um, there's a massive picture of, uh, of La Parker, but he's not called La Parker. He's called LA, LA Park. Park. Mm-hmm. Um, who is <laughs> used to use him on WCW NWO Revenge on the Nintendo 64, mainly because he did the funny dance. Yeah, so you want. Um, and then hit people with chairs. WCW backstage role is a great character to use. Yeah, he's just, he's just so good, and it's mad that he's still wrestling and doing. Yeah. He's doing, but also doing like quite cool stuff as well. I think at the minute, from what I was reading, I mean he's dabbing, so it's <laughs> pretty up to date. Yeah, that's right. And he's, uh, who's who's next? Uh, we'll go to Tursus, which is T U R S A S Shikara again, right? Again, yes. Um, a different sort of character to what you usually oh, see in I, I know why because he was in uh, BDK wasn't he he was in the British After Crisis yes um, uh, which is one of is a brilliant stable when you mm. just know all the people who are in that stable yeah. like it's I'm, I'm going to bring the stable up and tell you all the people who are in that stable and you'll be like shit son as an aside why he finds this one of the best reveals of all time if you watch like you don't have to watch the six months building up to it but if you just watch that ten minute piece when they all reveal themselves and the different characters interlink with their different storylines it's insane <laughs> so members of the British after Scorsers, which is German for Brotherhood of the Cross mm-hmm. um, so uh, 
Aries, who uh, not Austin Aries, uh, yeah. uh, the uh, Swiss wrestler who yes. broke in the same time as Claudio Castagnoli slash Cesaro, uh, Daisy Hayes, Delirious, Derek Sabato, Dieter von Stiegewald, uh, uh, who was uh, actually Tracy Williams, um, uh, Jacka, Jacob Hammermeyer, Lince Dorado, Milo Schnitzler. Uh, Nuken, which is a great name, Pinky Sanchez, <laughs> who I used to love, love Pinky Sanchez. Uh, Sarah Del Rey, who uh, regular listeners to this podcast will know, is possibly the greatest wrestler to never have wrestled for uh, for WWE. I think, like, just just so good, um, and uh, obviously it works out now, but yeah. just so good. Uh, Soldier and Tim Dons, who I also love, and Tursus, um, who we're now referring to. So um, it was because I remember. Did I, I'm trying to remember Tursus's mask. There we go. There's a great picture because it kind of it vaguely is <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, it's an incredible mask. It's yeah. got. I'd like to think that beard's built into the mask, but I don't know. Um, so Tursus, bigger lad. Yeah, uh, based on Norse mythology. Yeah, uh, kind of a Viking esque character, but especially in Chikara, where it's lucha libre based and a lot of smaller wrestlers stood out quite considerably because he's 300 pounds, six foot five, six foot six, easy. Mm. Very different yeah. character. And that's... Because it's, it's reminding me now of, of when I saw him in Shikara. And it Because the BDK was such a cool stable anyway. Mm-hmm. And the, the leading villains in the company for yeah. quite some time. Um, and and they did stand... Because most of them were bigger. Yes. But even Sarah Darre was bigger than yeah. most of the, the, the luchadors. Yeah, Cesaro. Like, yeah, you know, and... and Having the guys who were big and strong against guys like the Assyrian Portal and stuff like that yeah. in the colony was it was such a good sort of clash of styles and it yeah. and it made it stand out um, and also just looked like people were having fun. There's a great picture I've just seen here of of, uh, of Claudio Castagnoli next to Tursus and it's just it looks it looks so sinister with that yeah. mascot as well because it there's. His mask reminded me a little bit because of the horns and stuff. It reminded me a little bit of Vader's thing that he used to come oh, out the, in Japan. Oh, the elephant thing. Yeah. yeah. It reminded me a little bit of that, but with added grey beard. Oh, it's quality. It's such a unique look and was always a cool thing to have on a show because one thing Chikara does really well is having different matches. A lot mm. of matches can be the same on a wrestling card just because we're all in this style of knowing what's good. Yeah. But Tursus would come out and squash dudes. But then, when he had that one match where he was selling big for someone, and yeah. it made everything so much better. So, like, he'd wrestle some of the ants and he'd just kill them. But then he'd have a six-man. Six foot eight. eight. Six foot eight, exactly. <laughs> and then, so, fire ant would be firing up on him. And you'd see, like, almost like a chink in the armor of Tursus. Yeah. And, like, he'd start selling bigger and bigger and bigger. And fire ant would hit a big high kick and then a dive. And that moment is so cool to see. In any wrestling prom- uh, promotion, like any character could do it. Like, mm. if you see that underdog finally get that up on the big bully, yeah, it's big in whatever scenario. But then yeah. a character in such a character complex area like Chikara, it makes the storyline even infinitely more interesting. Especially, especially with the BDK who were unbeatable. Like, if you watch any Chikara show, uh, even like if I drop an example, like there's a show called We Must Eat Michigan's Brain. <laughs> Every Great match edge. that the BDK is in. Quick, straight to the point, and yeah. they win. Yeah. Even in the more extended matches, like there's a one, there's one Lindsay and Pinky versus, I want to say Fire Ant and maybe Green Ant or Soldier Ant. Might not even be that show, but it's a more extended match than any of the others on that card. 
but the BDK are still yeah. up strong, yeah, no matter what. And that's why I like Tursus because I think he adds variety to a card. And like he came back in other recent storylines where they mixed past things together with the future stuff. And again, just immediately there's a spot for him because he's unique and stands out and can be good on a card anyway. This is just reminding me of something. You, you know how, so obviously Shikara stopped for a while. Yes. Do you know how they relaunched? Uh, they did the film and but also they they sent letters to people yeah. didn't they so they posted letters to people saying like really anonymous almost like anonymous ransom yeah. letters basically saying yeah we're coming back yeah they they kidnapped like they had fire uh, not fire on uh, Frightmare kidnapped Icarus was like the only wrestler apparently like leading the Shikara thing at the time and he was like holding like uh, shows in parks showing Chikara was still alive and like he was on the rocky steps handing out t-shirts saying we are Chikara and stuff so and good so cool and they built to a climax where like they came back and had the show and then they released the film which was almost like a, it's essentially a 30 minute promo of what happened to build to this yeah. to Icarus leading the charge and it's in, like it's obviously within the realms of wrestling if you don't know wrestling you think oh that's stupid but yeah. it's incredibly cool to see like it's funny to see all the storylines intertwined. So, Chikara's always been great at that, and like those sorts of things with Fire and Icarus and all them coming back was it's creative great. as well. This, uh, this is the thing with especially the older voices in wrestling. Mm. So, this is something I was talking to someone about this week because, and I've spoken about it on the podcast before, Vader was one of my favourite ever big wrestlers. Mm. Will Ospreay is one of my favourite ever high flying wrestlers and a friend. Yes. So, it sucked when Vader was rude about about Will Ospreay. I thought Will Will was very gracious when Vader passed away, and rightly everyone was sad about it because Vader's one of the best big men ever. Yeah. And I thought it was really and and I, I tweeted about it and said, look, I know he didn't like much in modern wrestling, but I thought he was great. Yeah. And I thought Will was really gracious about how he, he was he was very much like, you know, we didn't get on, but I'm sad yeah. to, I'm sad about this and, and pass on my best regards. And I thought it was really good. But it's that weird old school mentality of. Uh, so I, someone put a video, a fan video of of Will and Jordan up from the weekend. Yeah, I saw. And, and it's um, spoilers now. If you don't want to know, if you want to wait to be blown away by this match, so spoilers now. I know I'm talking to my computer when the voice recorder's there, but spoilers now. I'll give you two seconds to just just mute me for maybe thirty seconds while I tell you what happened. So they do a Spanish fly on the top rope. They both land on their feet. Uh, and then it ends up... Being, they, did a, they, did a, they didn't do a standing Spanish fly in the ring, yep. which Jordan comes off worst from. Yep. Uh, then Will uh, goes to moonsault off the top rope onto him, uh, lands on his feet because Jordan moves. He then tries to do it again forwards. There's a standing shooting style and stuff like that. Then goes on the top rope. And it, it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous sequence of moves by a man who's a magician. Um, and and there's straight away underneath there's people going my god that's amazing there's people underneath who go it's not wrestling yeah and and that thing of so Marty Jones has been to a progress show and Marty I like Marty because Marty's one of my favourite wrestlers from my youth and afterwards I said to him you enjoy it and he went oh yeah, yeah. I went did you really enjoy it he went oh it was bits I absolutely hated which I would have expected because you know he's seven, I think seventy-two years old, it's different, and a very, very different wrestler. Hmm. Johnny Saint's the same sort of person. Johnny will, will say, uh, "I can he can appreciate why a shows why a shows popular and why wrestlers are over, 
but it's not going to be what he grew up. But he also understands that times change. Yeah. And I think that's the same with someone like Vader. Vader was doing moonsaults in 1990. Yeah. He so, was with Osprey. He, he was. Then. And there would have been, imagine how many, how many old school guys would have been saying to him, why are you going off your feet? You're 400 pounds. Yeah. Like, and it's the same with something like Shikara. Like you're saying, mm-hmm. if you show that to a non-wrestling fan, they're going to go, what is this? But wrestling fans get it. Yeah. And that's what always drew me into Shikara. And I think, you know, in the, I remember showing John Shikara DVDs before we came up with the idea for progress. And John's very involved in, um, in Freedom's Road and stuff, mm-hmm. which is very different to professional wrestling. I remember when back in time and stuff. Yeah, there. and that's part of that is because mm-hmm. there's companies like Shikara exist and Lucha Underground exists. Mm-hmm. You know, they're very different. And you know, and again, the, the whole you've got a lot of wrestlers in masks. You can do mm-hmm. crazy stuff some of the time. It's, it's cool. Right, next up, uh, have I done? Uh, we'll go Magnitude Kishiwada. Amazing. Right, I'm gonna. So Magnitude, I yes. can spell. English word. Right, and then uh, there we go. Kishiwada. Yep. Magnitude Kishiwada. Which I believe is a prefecture in Japan or a city, maybe. It is. There he is. 47 years old, trained yep. by Mr. Pogo, uh, yeah, yeah. a man with a sickle, and uh, Super Delphin. Yep. He's uh, a, a, a dolphin. <laughs> he's an Osaka, an Osaka based wrestler. Um, I first saw him through a Best of Jack Evans DVD, which had Dragon Gate on, which is with my exposure to Dragon Gate as well. Uh, he's a big lad. He's oh, yeah. 231 pounds, mm-hmm. five foot eight. That, so, for reference, he's built like Taz. Mm-hmm. I think he's probably the best. Yeah. The best Good suggestion. Uh, very different guy when I saw him in Dragon Gate, because a lot of the mass, mass wrestlers at that point in Dragon Gate were high flyers. So you had Dragon Kid, KNS, and all these different high flyers. He was the first heavyweight guy I'd seen like that. Uh, a very strong, like strong style, cliche, but it's a very strong style compared to like up there with Shingo and stuff. But uh, at the time, filling that heel heavyweight role pretty well. But like he'd been around for ages doing Osaka Pro. He did a bunch of different names. I saw some Osaka Pro stuff when I was playing mm. trading. So that stuff was mental. Because that's Delphin's situation, yeah. isn't it? And like, uh, I think Gamma might be a part owner of the new Osaka Pro now, which uh, Gamma, good friends with Kishiwada. Like, uh, they dragged it recently, recently to Gamma's 20th anniversary of wrestling, and Kishiwada came back for that show. Cool. Which was dope to see. Um, but he he always stood out to me because you had the Muscle Outlaws, which was a group he was in, which had guys like uh, Masai Yoshino, Naruki Doi, Gamma, who were not heavyweights per se, but heavyweights in Dragon Gate, but were very speedy, fast wrestlers and all very different. So Yoshino and Doi were the speed muscle tag team and Gamma was the like a very despicable, gross he- uh, heel leader almost who feuded with Shima. But... Kishiwada made an impact because he was all like, seemingly was always after the belt mm. and filling a role at CyberCon maybe feels now uh, in being the biggest man in the company and the hardest man to beat in that aspect. So like especially the young guys would have a tough time because they'd have to build match they build matches around Kishiwada being unbeatable. Yeah, and then they'd finally again like with Tursus they find that chink in the armor, but then he'd shut it down and win. And again like I. That variety on a show always meant things 
meant more to me mm-hmm. like watching them because I, I wouldn't always have the same speed and Drangate's always been good at it Kara's good at it having that variety so having Kishiwada on a show meant it was completely different in certain matches variety is so important like I, I remember sending a Dragon Gate show to John and Glenn to watch mm-hmm. around the time we were thinking of booking for Mita yeah. and and me saying to them, watch this whole show, this whole show's nuts. Mm. And every match is... Di- you might look at the wrestlers and go, they all look fairly similar, but yeah. I, I, I assure you, everyone's style is different. And, yeah. and they, all, they both watched it and loved it. Um, and it was genuinely very, very good. I'm just reading this about um, uh, Manu you are um, His Wikipedia page. During his high school life, uh, Fujita, <laughs> his real name, he, 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 the ideal three things he could have done to become a professional wrestler... He trained in mixed martial arts, powerlifting, and artistic gymnastics. There you go. Boom. You can be a wrestler, mate. Well done, him. <laughs> I just love his names. If you look at his names list. Uh, Magnitude Kishiwada, Big Boss, M-A-G-M-A. So, because um, I always worry about how to pronounce these, because I've been yeah. for ages pronouncing B.B. Hulk wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's B-X-B Hulk. No, it's B.B. Hulk. Yeah. Um, Monster Zeta Mandora, That's my favourite. Uh, Toriu, Dragon Wing- Winger, and Magnitude Tokyo. And the magnitude part of his name comes from the magnitude of an earthquake and the name of his hometown. Mm-hmm. Good work. So he's basically, it's like me being called, it's like me being called, like, Earthquake Wrexham. Yeah. <laughs> which, uh, which will be a great name. He, he is the Earthquake of Osaka <laughs> Pro Dragon Gate when he was there he was a big dude yeah yeah. oh quality who's next uh, Valiente and for again for the listeners how do we spell it so they can look him up B-A-L-I-E N-T-E there we go uh, who's he mainly wrestling he's for? a CMLL wrestler let's put CMLL in so we get the right guy got the Wikipedia page mm-hmm. uh, again 44 years old now uh, 5 feet 7 inches 203 pounds from Mexico City um, I find it interesting as always again having learned a bit about Mexican wrestling is obviously Mexico City is the main place and where most people are from yep. then there's there's really cool territories like Tijuana's got its own little cool territory which is where Ray and Psychosis came from yes. wasn't it um, and I, I find that that side of things really interesting in that you know, in America, there's definitely different styles of wrestling, and yeah. you know, depending on where you're from and all that sort of stuff. But in Mexico, even though it's a massive country with loads of people in, it's kind of Mexico City and Tijuana are the two big places. Yeah, those are big areas. Like Mexico City is the home base of CMLL. So, like Arena Mexico is always set up and has a training facility in there. For Sixteen thousand people it holds, the biggest purpose-built wrestling arena in the world. Exactly. And then uh, AAA, I think, is based in Mexico City as well, but doesn't have a base like Arena Mexico. No. No, um, they they are both based there. Um, uh, I know this from from my research. And, yeah, um, and I think the Crash are based in Tijuana. Yes, that's where that um, is. Now. And and then obviously Lucha Underground are not based in Mexico at all. No, they're based in Los Angeles. And There's a new one in Aro Lucha. Yeah, uh, they are based. I want to say based in Texas. Yeah, Texas. Because um, they run by the Harris brothers. Are they? Which Didn't is know weird. that bit. Yeah, remember the Harris. Well, I think the Harris Brothers marketing company might run them or something okay. like that. But it's yeah, I remember reading about it and going, "That's weird." Yeah. Um, I'm surprised Lucha Libre hasn't popped off more because of the influence of Lucha Underground. Because I think yeah. Lucha Underground's brought in people from outside. Yeah, I think I think still to an extent people will watch Lucha Underground and go, "Oh, this is Lucha Libre." But the, Lucha Underground's a very Western product in the sense of the wrestling. Like it's a very big mishmash of styles. Like you still get the occasional Lucha heavy match, but 
you've got guys from different areas. You've got Johnny, John Morrison, and then you've got like Jack and Angelico were there. Uh, Sammy Callahan, like, all these Cobb. dudes. Cobb, exactly. Like these dudes have an influence on the way the uh, the luchadors also wrestle. So you know, you're not going to get a lucha libre classic putting Brian Cage versus Arhenis, but you're going to get a match of styles, yeah. which is like not better, but infinitely just as good. Mm. So, I think um, the Lucha Underground thing for me, I, I really enjoy Lucha Underground. Mm. But I think the thing that's interesting about Lucha Underground is it feels a little bit like... So, you know, it feels a little bit like a Tarantino film. Yeah, in I get that. Many, in, and it's got that, that sort of... It's deliberately designed to feel like a sort of grindhouse sort of thing. Yeah. And it's very similar to, um, like... Tarantino will bring a film out saying Glorious Bastards yeah. and people will go oh it's brilliant it's just like the old Nazi exploitation films and talk about it like that and you'll go okay have you watched any yeah. Nazi exploitation films because I did at university I, you'll probably know this because you know a bit about media and stuff but mm. when I was at university one of the, the things I wrote about um, for one of my big assignments was about the video nasties that were banned in Britain in the 1980s yeah. there was I think I want to say 48 or 53 films I've got it depends on the list but there was a, a big load of often terrible horror films that yeah. were banned on video because of the moral panic around video nasties in the early 80s um, and some of them are still banned now some of them are good films like uh, Zombie Flesh Eaters which is a good film that was um, eventually allowed to be released uncut and you watch it uncut and there's there's some amazing gory special effects in it yeah like compared to how violent films are now it's nothing yeah, exactly. do you know what I mean and then there's some films that are just absolute rotten garbage and most of those are the Nazi exploitation films and what, what gets me when Inglourious Bastards came out was a lot of people all of a sudden became experts on these films I've watched four of them mm. I had to watch them as part of my university assignment yeah. I felt physically sick after watching them because they were rotten they're terrible films and the subject matter is awful and you just you feel unclean after watching them and for people to go oh he's doing that yeah he, Tantino's definitely watched that stuff and yeah. he's influenced by, by all kinds of mad shit but I find that some people watch Lucha Underground and then all of a sudden go oh well now I'm an expert on Lucha Libre yeah. because it's that kind of it's, it's an appropriation yeah. of something very cool for a very different audience it's the same with any wrestling though like there'll be people who watch progress and think they're an expert on the British Indies but mm. they're not and they're, like I don't pretend to know extreme amounts about Lucha Libre or anything I know yeah, what, what I, mean. I knew what I knew as a kid and I know what I still look up to like, mm. which is like why I've only just found Ordaz I know he's only just debuted as that character mm. but it's what June of yeah. this year and he's been January. doing this stuff since January <laughs> so the fact I've only just found him now like, I don't know that much like Rob Viper's a, a legitimate expert mm. on Lucha Libre so these like this guy especially I used to love watching growing up because He's a big boy, but he do, was the first person I ever saw do a double jump moonsault to the outside. Uh, but different to how most people do double jump. Like the Escalera is the, like Carl Fletcher does it now, where he does step, step, flip dive. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, he does the Escalera different in the sense that he'll bounce both feet facing outwards on one rope in the corner, then jump backwards to the other rope. So without seeing to the, from the middle rope facing outwards, backwards to the top rope, and then moonsault from there. And this dude, like, you can look at Wikipedia, he's a big dude. 203 pounds, but only 5'7". Yeah. So, 
heavier than me and you know I'm not skinny but I'm not I'm not a big I'm not a massive lad and you know I think I'm 180 pounds mm. so um, and I'm 5 foot 10 so he's, he's a big lad he's yeah. a big lad Valiente is Spanish for valiant mm. expressed by the sword icon on his mask I love there was a book ages ago I wish I bought it it was in an urban outfit as I saw it and it was a massive coffee table book like yeah. it's the only place you see those books now is urban yeah. outfitters um, and normally nearly every book that you can buy in Urban Outfitters is a bit wanky unless my book's sold in there at which point it's a brilliant shop um, but um, it was like a proper like big coffee table book big sort of almost A3 sized yeah and it was just photos of Luchadors and it was a, it, so one page would be an interview with a Luchador and the other page would be a really cool colour photograph of them I wish I'd bought it I think I'm going to look it up on Amazon. I'm certain you can still buy it and one day I'm going to buy myself as a treat because it's um, it, 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 honestly it was insane just all these pages and like some of them were people I'd heard of yeah so like um, like Blue Demon Jr. was in there yeah obviously. Uh, 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 Hijada Santo was in there yeah. and like I was reading it going this is brilliant and then there's some people I'd never heard of and the interview with them would be like yeah I like um, I work in a restaurant yeah and I'm like this is the absolute best um, I'm gonna have Mexico's a wild place, man. Like, Shocker was on top in Mexico for a while. And, like, there's a documentary on Luke Labour on Netflix, which uh, Chris Brooks introduced me to, which go and watch that. It's really good. But um, Shocker gets hurt, but he owns a restaurant. So he just decides to be a waiter in that restaurant while he's hurt with his knee injury. Amazing. So they, they'll do things like that. But they're still famous as. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's paperback, but it weighs four kilos. It's just called Lucha. It's in Spanish. Um, uh, the world version I saw was was in British, but it was uh, in English rather. But it was it's just nuts. Um, it's just low. It's a, it's a fashion photographer who took all these pictures. So there's a picture there. That's Blue Demon, isn't it? Yeah. Um, there's a picture there of Blue Demon, um, and yeah, I can get it for twenty eight ninety nine. I'm going to buy it in a bit. I'm literally going to buy it. I'm going to buy it and I'm going to bring it to a show and show it to you. I'm going to um, love that. 364 pages. Um, How's that compared to your book, eh? Um, uh, my book's got more pages, but there my book go. doesn't weigh four kilograms. So um, there you go, a better value there. <laughs> right there. <laughs> and also you'll be able to, unless you speak Spanish, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to buy that a bit. I'm, uh, I'm well excited. Um, so, let's go back to Valiente. Um, so, so he was a guy who uh, really influenced me mm. when I was younger because uh, again a bigger guy doing high flying didn't see yeah. often but he's always a very up card guy like it wasn't always but 2005 2006 he's starting to reach like move up from the mid card and then so on from there became one of the top guys uh, he was wrestling Ultimo Guerrero a lot uh, Ray Bucanero in like six mans and tag matches uh, just a really unique case of classic Lucha Libre like the Negro Navarro style of submission uh, Yayave I think it's called it's I can't pronounce it properly because I don't speak Spanish but Yayave I guess uh, Negro Navarro is like a very uh, influential guy in that sense it's submission based wrestling which is a classic Lucha Libre thing which you can now compare to the high flying but he was a big mix match of both but for a bigger guy that was unheard of, like you had Blue uh, Blue Panther Atlantis, mm. just doing the technical stuff. And they're the same size, but 
Valiente was flying through the air. And very unique. Never lost his mask. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, st- still, uh, still knocking around, still wrestling as yes, well, which is good. Um, but I, so there's a good thing here about his, his personal life, and this will be something that some people might not know how Mexican wrestling works. So, in the case of El Hijo del Santo, um, literally is El Hijo means the, El Hijo del means the son of. So El Hijo del Santo is the son of the saint. El Santo is uh, the, the arguably the most famous. Yeah, yeah, of all yeah. time it's between him Blue Panther and, and Mil Mascaris yeah, yeah. and he um, you know Santa was in like like 50 films yeah I mean and they're rotten but watch them they're great yeah like, they're the proper B movies yeah where he is he is a, a wrestler on the side but he's really a superhero yeah and they're great they're so good some of them are like they're so camp but so so great it's him. like bad lucha running around that yeah. it's a telenovela but um, <laughs> you just can't do it justice if you haven't so, seen anything so Alejo de Santo is the son of the saint and that's often it is often legitimate um, uh, so uh, Alberto Del Rio was Dos, uh, Dos Caras Jr isn't it mm-hmm. uh, Dos Caras legendary uh, wrestler um, but what I like here is Valiente is the uncle of wrestlers Valiente Jr and Hijo de Valiente who asked Valiente's permission to use the name once he made his breakthrough in CMLL, which I think is great. Because if I'm correct, Rey Mysterio Jr. is he's the nephew of Rey Mysterio, isn't he? Not the yeah. son. Um, and I, I think that that family lineage is really, really cool. Um, and just always something I'm always I'm always fascinated by. It applies everywhere. Like uh, I be, I might be wrong, but Ray Horus used to be El Hijo del Rey Mysterio. Because I'm looking him up. Uh, I think I'm right here, but again, I could be chatting absolute bollocks. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was El Hijo de Rey Mysterio too. This time is first. He's also part of that lineage uh, in some way, or trained with the original Ray, and that's where the son of the King of Mystery. Yeah, um, which oh, is brilliant. His real name is not a matter of public record. Um, I wish that was the case for me. Eh? That'd be um, incredible. What's amazing here is I I know his real name because I met him mm. um, and like I love that I love that tradition I, I wish it you know I know some people know your real name yeah right? it's gonna happen and and like obviously I know your real name I would have loved it like when you arrived here my son was still up yeah I would have loved it if you'd arrived in the mask you'd driven here in the mask you arrived in the mask. Um, my wife who'd never met you before yeah. would only ever see you in the mask I just kept that shaving yeah. for the whole time it, I, I, and, but it's not realistic in British professional yeah. wrestling it's not realistic in American professional wrestling in Mexico it's still kind of realistic yeah, it's, like, it's, I like it when you see like a wrestler in a mask in a suit mm. oh it's the greatest got to do it in an attack and it was incredible I loved it <laughs> loved we it. need to find a way for you to do this at some point oh, right. also can you spray mist oh I Pete Dunne uh, guide to the everyone who's become a star ever in yeah. the UK seemingly uh, he's been telling me to do the mist since Progress Birmingham where we wrestled do the mist yeah I, so I regular listeners again will be aware I had to write a list of, of my favourite moves for my book and the spoilers for my book uh, one of them is the mist yeah I one of my burn, I had two burning ambitions in wrestling outside of just wanting to be a wrestling promoter one was I wanted to be it with a chair that's happened. It really hurt. I never want to do it again. But it was a good. It was worked well at the time. 
The other one is I want at some point in my life to be a heel somewhere. Well, probably never happened in progress, let's be honest. But be a heel somewhere where I can spray... It has to be black mist in particular. I can spray black mist in someone's yeah. face. See, Pete would never be able to do it because, you know, when Pete, Trent and Tyler used to do the, the water spitting thing when they were heels yeah. for us. Pete's got a gum shield in his worst one. Yeah. He used to crack me up every time. <laughs> I want to do it, but the problem is my mask's in front of my face. Like, and my, my new ones, they're made by a guy in Mexico and they're really well made. Mm. So to bend that thing up would take way more effort to get the mist out, it wouldn't be very clean. Oh, we need to find some way of doing it. It's a lost art, man. Like, if you I watch, like the, I like the Bushi doesn't. doesn't. Mm, it's good, but like Muta's, the like if you watch the classic stuff when he's got Gary Hart and stuff, it's just so clever how they do it. Oh, it's brilliant. I am, um, yeah. Muta, Tajiri, Bushi. I, it's. I'm surprised more people don't do it because it's such a cool gimmick. Yeah. Um, and you know, I had to. One day, someone should. One day it's happening. Yeah. Um, Valiente, seek him out. He's incredible. Yes. Uh, who's next after Valiente? Uh, I've only got two more because oh. they're ten people. But yeah. We're going to go with Yoshitsune. How are we spelling this? Uh, Yoshi. Yes. T-S-U. Yeah. There yeah. we go. And then add wrestler because otherwise it's going to come up with oh, yeah. a warrior. Um, that's why I know that word. Also, I would have gone uh, Yoshitsune because yeah. I'm an idiot. Uh, Yoshitsune there we go we no, all learn Yoshitsune has many names uh, you will be familiar here with him surprisingly because he was in PWG for a long time as oh, I forget what his name was he had a crazy like knight's outfit if I see the list I'll be able to tell there you there we go PWG uh, as El Blazer El Blazer there we go so uh, he's very famous for the rope walk techniques you see maybe Phoenix do a lot of nowadays uh he was like doing coast to coast by running the ropes and then just doing a little falling drop kick at the end. Yeah, like he was crazy unique. And my first exposure to him was uh, a Mexico show, which is rare because he was Suki Sam in AAA. He's got uh, so many finishes. Oh yeah, he's, he's got so many aliases. But like to give you some like a roundup of him, he he's a uh, he was Mini Shima at one point in Dragon Gate. He was uh, when Dragon Gate separated and became from Toriyaman. He left and formed Dragon Door. Uh, Help not formed. He was part of Dragon Door and wrestled as Little Dragon, which was to rip off uh, Dragon Kid. Right. They were angry at Dragon Gate for whatever reason. Yeah. He's only five foot four as well, so the little yeah. thing is, is it's accurate. Yes. But then he's done other things. He's done Zero One. He's done Triple A. He's done uh, Michinoku Pro. But uh, you should say it's quite a crazy character he he was doing top row 619s in 2001 he was doing all these like crazy innovative moves like Flip Gordon as a springboard super kick uh, this moves was doing springboard run the ropes on the top rope and super kick the person and like he was doing these crazy unique moves and like you can find MVs of him on YouTube he's one of the most unique wrestlers you can also find some funny moments like as Sugi-san potentially inebriated allegedly is the story in a triple a match he escapes a cage and then decides to make his escape even more cool he'll moonsault off the ring post and he breaks his legs i've seen that yeah it's so the reason i'm not familiar with him is i'd seen his name written down again and i'd probably seen bits and bobs of him Mm. but um it's it's so many aliases yeah like everywhere he goes different name so different name in multiple different name in hustle different name in Shinoku Pro different name it's brilliant 
But on his, so if you put him into, uh, I'm going to put it or Takuya Sugi, which is his, his real name, mm-hmm. in, um, into Wikipedia. And then he's got all his finishes for all his various um, aliases, all of which are badass. Yeah. Then he's got his signature moves, some of which are just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Just reading them going, what? I don't, what? <laughs> he's dope, man. Like, he was managed by Hayabusa as well. Yeah. Like, he's been man. around for the longest time, oh, man. He's brilliant. Yeah, he's, so he's cool. an incredible person to search out and has an influence on a lot of high flyers nowadays and is a very talked about wrestler on car journeys, especially with my group of uh, people we travel with like just such a crazy character to watch wrestle um, some of his names are great as well mm-hmm. Michinoku Ranger Gold yep great um, Hustle Carmen Man or something maybe Hustle Carmen Ranger Red there we go uh, Rabbit Boy uh, El Fuerte which is the most generic name. all his names like that's the worst one. <laughs> <laughs> it's so easy he actually might be the uh in Dragon Gate is a famous clip uh, which went viral worldwide not just as a Dragon Gate clip but just as Japanese wrestling where a Power Ranger moonsaults onto the cameraman yes and I'm I think that. that's him as well amazing he's wrestled everywhere as well yeah he's been literally everywhere and it doesn't seem to stay in one place for particularly long no some, something goes on but yeah. like clearly there's some issue with him <laughs> if you've got the high spots network you can find PWG shows where he's on and he's crazy yeah so yeah, look that up I'm going to look that up I don't think because he was in PWG in 2008 yeah so um, it's a fair, a fair while ago I will, yeah. I'm sure I would have seen some stuff from Zell Blaze I just would have yeah. it's 10 years ago now I'm old man um, who's your final selection final person uh, near and dear to my heart in some sense and where I stole uh, the original Lycos uh, look and the name we added on from uh, is a character called Mondai Ryu from Dragon Gate Meaning problem dragon. Yeah, that's a great name. Mm-hmm. Problem dragon. I like it very much. Yeah. Mondo Ryu uh, started as a, a character called Ape Kimata. Kimata being his real last name. An ape being yep. spelled in capitals yep. because Japan. Uh, <clears throat> obviously, whatever it is, it didn't go down well. He became the first incarnation... No, not the first. He was the second, maybe, incarnation of Super Shenlong, which he learned. He was the second? Uh, a, char- a Chinese character that Dragon Gate was always trying to force into being a character because they always <laughs> wanted a Chinese dragon. Uh, <laughs> the first Super Shenlong was... Um, oh, what's his name now? He uh, wrestled in Big Japan. Has a really famous match with Daisuke. I'm blanking his name and Chris is going to hate me for it. Uh, but the point being, there's been many a good wrestler, but for whatever reason, Shenlong didn't click uh, and they had him turn, he became a heel and became uh, Mondai Ryu. Uh, he was the longest tenured heel in Dragon Gate for a while until he, the reason he turned babyface is he was a bad guy in the stable, Berserk, in 2016 and... Shima's stable over generation beat Berserk in a match where they would get to pick one of the other members fa- uh, member of their faction and take them. I remember reading about that. And they t- took Mondai Ryu because Shima said they saw promise in him. Now the reason for this was uh, Mondai Ryu needed surgery on his neck, so they were going to have he was going to be out for a while. So uh, that was a perfect way to turn him babyface. Hmm. He's back now. 
uh, a good guy, uh, and it was a, a really unique presence on Dragon Gate Show. A very low card wrestler, but always important, especially in the shenanigans. Like Dragon Gate's known for a lot of runs and stuff, and weapon attacks, and uh, he's just very. He was once in a mask versus passport match. Yep. <laughs> yes. So good. He uh, <laughs> he was in a. They have a six-man cage match every year called Dead or Alive, where mm-hmm. the loser loses their hair or their mask. He lost, and he wears a mask, and he was like, nah, sod it, I ain't losing my mask, I'm losing my hair. So he takes his mask off, they shave his head, and he puts his mask back on, and he's like, ugh. <laughs> That's so cool. He's the best. And he's uh, the king of uh, music, in the sense that his entrance theme was Shima, Gamma, Don Fuji, Mochizuki, and one of the other veterans just booing for two minutes. Yeah, because his yeah his entrance music by Team Veteran is called Salty Abubu. Yep, and he was just booed. Booed by Salty Veterans? Yeah, for two minutes. And he'd just enter the ring with his bucket of salt and his big cane. And he'd have weird matches, and he was great. But <laughs> also... One of his signature moves is the salt attack, yep. which makes him sound like... He's oh, so brilliant. He's one of the... It's seemingly really funny as well, because if you watch him wrestle, he seems kind of immobile in some senses. Like, he runs kind of weird, mm. and hits... Uh, various like he runs knee strike in the corner and he does like the SOS that Kofi Kingston does but then he also does a shooting star press and it's beautiful (laughs) like it's crazy the motion this dude has oh so cool but yeah that's uh, one near and dear to my heart and partially responsible for the Lycos transformation so one last question I want to ask you is Mm -hmm. the one time I've had to I've had to introduce you once as as a singles competitor yes Um, and I had to, and I remember this every time I go to Starbucks. I had to introduce you as being from uh, what was what's the tea? The mango black tea. Yeah. And my daughter's addicted to that drink. And I'm like, every time I buy it, I'm like, this is weird. I want to actually because <laughs> it's always stuck with me. Why? Why? why uh, so Ultramantis Black in Chikara used to be from the Black Tea Gardens or or something of that nature. Nice and. Chris Brooks and I, at the time, were both drinking, more so Chris, I'd say, because I'm not as into tea as he is, uh, we're drinking the mango black tea uh, cold drink from Starbucks. Yeah, which is lovely, It's We're great. not sponsored by Starbucks, but hey, Starbucks, send us vouchers. I would love it, please. <laughs> we both travel a lot, please. <laughs> but, um, so, for a laugh, we got announcers from that for attack originally because we, originally we were from Octopus Island but it's just so cliche we're like oh I'll just do this it's tribute to Ultramanus Black Chris and uh, him are friends and get on really, quite well so I love it was a nice thing to like do that and uh, but then that show came around and I was like oh but it's progress it's more serious I can't but I'm weird mass character I can't be from Tipton like Chris no you can't and also I mean any wrestlers listening to this when I come up to you and go where am I announcing you from you can literally say anything. I'm not going to say, I clearly did not say no to Lycos. Mm. Like, I will go, yeah, all right. Because yeah. all I'm doing is yelling words. Irregardless of Jim announcing me, it, Briley could have edited it and put normal location, <laughs> but he didn't. Put so it like, I, this is at the time I was just overthinking. So, <laughs> learn from my mistake. Just go with it. Yeah, just do it. I'm happy. <laughs> Um, where can people find your social media and also I know that as a rule to buy your merch you tend to do merch in person rather than doing yeah. lots of stuff online but um, plug all the things you need to plug also just from a personal point of view if you see Lycos or Brooks at any shows and they have their merch 
buy their merch. Not only is it, I wear a lot of it, and I'm, I've said this to Lycos and to Chris, I'm superstitious, especially when I was doing stand-up. Mm. And it, it got to a point where I was wearing CCK t-shirts a lot, and I kept having good gigs, so I started wearing them all the time. Um, so, you know, they've bought me good luck, as well as being tremendous, tremendous garments. So I cannot... I cannot stress how good their merch game is because um, you had a new shirt out this week, didn't you? Yeah, well? we did. Aye. And um, so, yeah, so plug all your things. Okay. Go. Uh, my Twitter is at kidlycos. Uh, tweet me and bury me about this podcast. <laughs> I know you want to. Uh, my Instagram's at kidlycosproblem. Please follow me on there. I have substantially less followers than Chris, and it makes me sad. Um, we usually release merch if we do online sales, which is very rarely through obeybrooks.bigcartel.com but occasionally I'll have a shirt on kidlycos.bigcartel.com find us at shows we'll have merchandise we always have stickers we've got new pin badges which are rad uh, and we've got some cool shirts coming up especially the one that was released just now it is ace um, uh, I'll do my plugs quick at Jim Smallman on Twitter tweet us both actually me and Lycos about any uh, any obscure uh, mass wrestlers you think we've uh, I'm going to tell you right now, Lycos will know who everyone is who you suggest. You are not. You might catch me at. You ain't going to catch him out. Um, but any any cool gifts, anything like that, just send them to us. We like that. I need uh, to steal moves. I've got nothing. Now. <laughs> <laughs> moves that are easier on him as well. Yeah, please. Uh, uh, hashtag Tuesday Night Joy. If you're tweeting me in particular about wrestling, uh, jimsmorman.com slash book to buy my book. That's easy. Um, and uh, progresswrestling.com for tickets and merch for progress shows demand-progress.com for all of our shows including many a match featuring the wonderful CCK uh, and obviously Kid Like Us um, right anyway uh, probably about next week I say that I say that every week and then end up disappearing for three weeks thanks for your patience cheers Like Us no worries ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.